I was in Erie, Pennsylvania last weekend at the funeral for my Uncle Jeff. I haven't seen my Uncle Jeff since 1998 at my grandmother's funeral, and faulting the distance among us, I haven't actually seen all the relatives on my father's side since then either. Jeff left behind his widow Judy and his two daughters in their 20s. He was the youngest of five sons and a daughter. At Grandma's funeral in Buffalo, New York, Uncle Jeff gathered all the nieces and nephews and took us to a local pub for beef on weck, a Buffalo tradition. You know that? <laughs> he was the fun, big-hearted, cool uncle, and I always felt a great sense of joy when I was with him. By the time we heard about his cancer, he was already facing his final days. I wrote him a letter sharing stories and my deep love for him and lamenting all those years that had passed. I recall him telling me that his oldest daughter, Katie, reminded him of me. And when my youngest son, Corbin, was born in a strong and solid body, I thought of Uncle Jeff the football player, and the coach. My sons, Quinton and Corbin, who are sitting right there with my partner, Linda, never had an opportunity to meet him. I offered to help with the funeral, but it was a traditional Catholic mass, and there was really no room for a budding Unitarian Universalist minister. <laughs> my uncle's ashes were buried in Erie, Pennsylvania, next to those of his infant son. As I walked past the tombstone and saw that baby Idzik was born on the same day as my birthday. At the luncheon of about 70 people following the, the burial, my Aunt Judy leaned over and asked if I would lead them in prayer before we ate. I had to confess that I was not a Catholic. She said that she knew I wasn't a Catholic, and so did Jeff, and that he would have been delighted if I gave the prayer. So I stood, I bowed my head, and asked others to join me. I spoke slowly about my uncle's spirit and the moment that we all shared. I ended in tears, aware of how we were all connected by this beloved man. We all wished he was there in body not just in spirit. Memorial Day, a day of remembrance, known as a day when we remember the men and women who have served our country. Flags are hanging on this day, symbolizing that their service is not forgotten. I too can't help but think of all the wounded, both physically and psychologically, who bear the scars of war as well. Memorial Day a national holiday that historian David Blight tells us originated in Decoration Day, a day in South Carolina in 1865. It began as a day when African Americans created a ritual of remembrance and consecration for the dead Union soldiers that fought for freedom. The war, they had boldly announced, had been about the triumph of their emancipation over the slaveholders' republic 
and not about state rights, defense of home, nor merely soldiers' valor, valor and sacrifice. Memorial Day, when we stop to acknowledge the memories of all those who have passed. We carry great sadness, emptiness, and anger, and at the same time, the joy and tenderness and love of those who have come before. As I stand at this pulpit, I also think of all the ministers who have stood here before me, ministers who have spoken about the cost of war and the dream of peace. I remember hearing Gretchen Thompson preach from this pulpit Memorial Day 1994 when she preached about fallen angels. Today, a day full of memories is the day I preach my final sermon as your Cummins ministerial intern. And from where I stand, there are many angels who have not fallen. They sit before me, full of love, generous of spirit, committed to justice, and most importantly, part of this beautiful covenantal church. A church that states clearly every week that love, love is the spirit of this church. That spirit has held and nurtured me and humbled me as I've journeyed towards ministry. Love is the spirit of this church and service is, this, is its law. As Justin says, you are a teaching congregation and you serve the UUA in such a profound way by mentoring young ministers. Some of us aren't that young, but we're young in our careers. <laughs> you have opened your hearts to me and me to you. My internship committee has accompanied me through the year. They were my peeps, often believing in me more than I did myself. They've reminded me of the significance of my growth and what can happen when I get out of the way and let the holy enter. They pushed me to close our meetings with spontaneous prayer and define my voice. Justin followed suit, and it's kind of hard for the staff to not break into giggles when they think of Justin ending staff meetings and impulsively saying, hey, Laura, you want to close us out in prayer? <laughs> it's as if they all believe me into being, and I know that I, who I am today is because of the courage that they gave me. And that courage allowed me to stand at my uncle's funeral and do a spontaneous prayer in a room full of Catholic strangers. Your service goes far beyond that of being a teaching congregation. I've witnessed shared ministry of congregational leaders in small groups, as worship associates and chalice lighters, as teachers of religious education, mentors of coming-of-age students, and chaperones for youth sleepovers. I've seen many of you leading faith in action, building homes for Habitat for Humanity, standing on the side of the love for, at the Capitol time and time again, and coming alive on our day of service. Members of this congregation have helped host elder luncheons, organized events, created vital AUW gatherings, sung in the choir, and played music in worship. And in less visible ways, many of you have served on the board of trustees and as part of hiring teams. 
I know this only names a few of the ways that members have served. This congregation is so alive. There's a vibrant faith here, and it's contagious. My intern class teacher came and said, if you only believed in Jesus more, she'd be over here in a second. <laughs> she loved it here. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I love coming to this church. I love coming here on Sunday mornings as the halls echo with music and the social hall clanks with coffee cups prepared for, for um, coffee. I love walking through the social hall and seeing the artwork hanging and the volunteers setting up tables they will staff during social hour. I know all as well when the egg rolls and the spring rolls arrive and the welcome teams gather to do the invaluable work of hospitality. The worship leaders gather a few minutes before worship in the room back there called the chancel room for prayer with the worship associate and the chalice lighter. We release what we hold in our hearts and acknowledge the sacred hour to come. And then we gather. We gather for worship, including beautiful music, a shared covenant, silent meditation, prayers for ourselves, and prayers for members of the congregation and people we may never know who live throughout the world. A message created in conversation of what the ministers believe we need to hear is spoken from this pulpit. Whether here or in the children's chapel downstairs, a community comes together to remind us that we are not alone. During that hour, every space of this building is filled with children and youth guided by many of you. Kids await your return after we hold each other in love and sing Go Now in Peace. Extraordinary. Radical in this day when our lives are busy and technology often serves as our daily connection with others. It is blessed, blessed time. So before this year, I thought I wanted to do interim ministry. I thought it sounded like a great idea to go to other parts of the country, serve a congregation for a couple of years, and then move on. My honey, Linda, and I would often take long walks and fantasize about living somewhere where winter doesn't last eight months and <laughs> having her flip houses instead of work in IT. But something happened this year. My heart began to open wide and I experienced what it's like to dwell together in peace, and sometimes a little conflict. <laughs> I have the distinct honor of dwelling with about 20 elders each month, and then we share a fellowship meal down in the social hall. I love to hear their stories, to see their smiles, to listen to their wisdom that is gained through the years, and to hear their energy for new experiences. Amidst the often unwelcome changes of age, there's also a freedom. May we all, young and old, continue to dwell together in peace, recognizing that our gentle and often tenuous spirits are such a gift to one another.
I think of a group that gathered this year, today, this year to read the book Parker Palmer's Healing the Heart of Democracy. Each of the individuals who participated exemplifies those who have given so much of their lives to social justice. We examined how could we open our hearts to those who may be ideologically or politically different from us. We asked, how do we remain open to truly see the holy in all? Have we fallen into our own trap of heart hardening self-righteousness? If yes, how do we soften our hearts to help heal the world? May we all have the courage to see ourselves and our perspectives with a critical eye and stay open to those who are truly different from us out in the world and in our pews. There are so many ways you seek the truth in love here. Richard spoke of joining a small group for people experiencing grief. We gathered at the crazy hour of 7.30 in the morning. I admit, I'm a morning person. I encourage this experiment. <laughs> we invited in grief. We held it tenderly. And we witnessed the lives of those who are gone in body but remain strong in spirit. As people spoke their truths, some found their dreams changing. There was more laughter, often coupled with tears, and true support found in hearing one's own story told by another. Throughout the year, many of you have gathered to seek the truth and love in small, small sermon-based groups and you've also gathered and struggled with information about racism in America, about our own shortcomings as Unitarian Universalists in our Skeletons in our UU Closet series. And some have gathered in an emerging adult spiritual development program called Wellspring, which piloted this year. We gathered to explore our own theology and formed a deep life-giving connection. In this large church, I've seen these more intimate opportunities provide a way to join together as seekers, healing parts of ourselves and reflecting on our own truths. One Wellspring member said, I sometimes have to hear myself speak to know if what I say is true. In this church, which begins with the heartfelt covenant of love, we all have permission and perhaps even the obligation to name our own truths, and to change them if they came from people or places that no longer define who we are or what we believe. There is incredible vulnerability that comes when we seek the truth in love. May you all continue to be seekers and know that deep within you that when you stumble, you will be held by a love that will not let you go. So we come to the final part of our covenant, to help one another. This year, like so many others, has been a year of losses. Staff has moved on. Beloved members of this congregation have passed away. Others have been living with progressive chronic or terminal illness. 
We are a living tradition. Each of our lives in this congregation goes on. May this church help us heal and live whatever days remain in our own lives. May we live our lives in ways that notice the sacred more than the emptiness. And may we live our lives in a way that matters. Although we all may sometimes rage against our limitations, we can all be apprentices to hope. The message Jen gave me at the beginning of the year was one that was passed on by her internship supervisor. The message was, you are always enough and you are never enough. There are sacred spaces here, pockets of air that can, we can breathe in and find balance. Rob Eller Isaacs from Unity Church Unitarian speaks of the DNA that lives in the building walls of each church. The DNA in these walls and those who came before us carry us in our own human imperfections if we just get out of the way and realize that we are never enough and we are always enough. And then step aside to let the spirit of life and mystery in. Several people in this congregation um, have spoken to me about how it's made of such interesting people. And I don't mean that interesting, like in Minnesota terms. <laughs> to me, this place is like an amazing library full of illuminating books. Each of you has a story, a story of where love called you, a story of where love has disappointed you, and where you've gained resilience to start again in this hopeful faith. May you find this to be a place where your story can be heard and where you can come to a sense of peace with all the chapters in your life you have lived and some agency about those that remain. So the overriding goal of my internship this year was to move from being a lay leader and a secular leader, which I was when I worked in Rainbow Families and Project 515, to a minister. I thank all of you here today and the dear staff and ministers of this congregation for the gift of giving, helping me make that shift. I feel different from the inside out. The spirit of this place has filled me and will be with me always. Blessed be and amen. Thank you.